Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Um, last week, Pastor RJ talked on declarations. We are continuing this series on the weapons of our warfare. He had an awesome um, word that helped to equip us to do the work of the ministry out there. Take the word of God and proclaim it with the mouth that God has given you because if you have breath in your lungs, it is your responsibility to declare his word over not only your life, but the life of those who are struggling around you. Amen. Today, he's going to be continuing his message. It's called the war in the mind. We know the battlefield is often in here and we welcome Pastor RJ to the stage right now. Come on up. Welcome our lead pastor. God bless you. Good morning. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get a speech. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. How are we all doing today? Awesome. How are you doing? Uh, I am doing great. I should probably open my notes so I don't, like, preach for two hours. <laughs> you know, how many know what today is? I think Aaron and Kelly know what day it is. So how many of you cheering for the Packers today? Yeah, they're not playing. Neither are the Lions. A guy named Bill Ellis put this together, and I thought it would be fun. Um, he called it illegal motion. And what he did, in, in the spirit of fun, is he took some football terms, and he kind of tried to make application to church. Now, he's got a lot of them, so I'm just going to read some of them. And, and illegal motion is really leaving before the benediction. <laughs> Assistant coaches, ministerial staff, and Sunday school teachers. Bench warmer, an inactive church member. Blocking, standing at the door, complaining to the pastor about his morning sermon. Thanks, Mike. Cornerbacks, those who occupy the back seats in the sanctuary. <laughs> um, a dead heat, a lukewarm church member waking up in the middle of a dynamic and colorful sermon on hell. Draft choice, the decision to sit close to a heating vent in the winter or an air conditioning vent in the summer. And, and the staff will appreciate this. <laughs> it's an inside joke for the staff. Uh, let's see. There's a few more I wanted to get to. Extra point. What you receive when you tell the preacher the sermon was too short. <laughs> Huddle. Uh, weekly meeting of the church gossip team. In the pocket where too many church members keep God's tithe and their offerings. Linebackers, a statistic used by a preacher to support a point just made. Linebackers, a church member who can't stop, who can stop any forward progress. Linebackers, church members who wait in line to back everything the official board does not approve. Okay. Place kicker, kicking in the right place at the right time. Punt, what the pastor does when nothing else seems to work. 
safety is when the offering reaches budget levels. Scalping tickets, people trying to buy their way into the kingdom of God. Super Bowl champion, a church doing the will of God. Touchdown, when attendance and giving records are broken. And umpire, an elder who presides over a church squabble. Anyway, they they had some fun with that. Uh, For those of you that weren't able to be here Wednesday night for prayer night, boy, you missed out. What a, what a powerful night. And, and I want to read a verse in Ephesians 6 for a moment as we're getting ready to go into the rest of the message. But in, in Ephesians 6.10, it says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Look at the person to your left and right. They're not your enemy. People are not your enemy. It's the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and mighty powers in the dark world against evil spirits in heavenly places. And, and you know, I was laughing. I was with some pastor friends this weekend. We, we went up and we spent some time with some pastor friends, my wife and I. And we were joking because essentially when you're doing a church event, if you announce that there's bacon, the attendance goes up automatically. But when you say, hey, we're going to have a prayer meeting, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Bring the bacon. It should be the other way around. Yeah, we have to start doing prayer, bacon at our prayer meetings, I know. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on in our nation right now. Some things are really good, God's working, and some things are really evil in our nation, right? And, and you can easily get excited or discouraged depending on what you focus on. Okay. And, but the key is, change will only happen in your life and in our nation through prayer. Exactly. Through prayer. And, and he's called all of us to pray, and we should all be praying more than we ever have before. And, and the truth is, when you're listening to the Creator giving you instructions when you're praying, then you go out and you enact His will on earth. Because too many times we go out without talking to the Creator first, and we try to enact our will on earth, and it doesn't accomplish the desired fruit that we would like to see. We are working to add more prayer streams. I know we have some streams every day, but, but you know, you, you probably should spend some time talking to God to see if he wants you to lead one. And then go through the process to make sure you're qualified to lead one. Wait, what? There's a process? Yeah, there's a process. Because especially if I don't know you, and you're new, and, and that's great. We like new people. But what happens is there's got to be some sort of a track record before we're going to put you in a position where you could actually minister to people's hearts that way. There's good wisdom in that biblically. So go through the process. Get, get yourself to the place. And then, and then when God says yes, go do. Go do. But I guarantee if everyone in this room asked if they were supposed to do a stream, more of you than not would hear from God, yes, you're supposed to do that. Now, there's a huge contrast between proud people who desire only money, power, and pleasure and people who are humble, loving, and generous. We, the church, should be humble, loving, and generous like Christ. And we're working through weapons of our warfare right now. And today, I want to talk to you about the war going on in your mind. Now, I like having some fun with this. And, and the truth is, I want you to do this. I want you to look at your neighbor, point at your head, and say there's a war going on in there. 
Now look at your other neighbor and say, I knew it. There's a whole lot of truth in what I just said. But I want you to understand something. We're made up of three parts. Can everyone say three parts? Okay. Humans are spirit, soul. We like to kind of define that as the mind, the will, the emotions, and body. Your earth suit, as you'll hear me say so, so often. Because your, your body is just the temporary home for your spirit while you're here on earth. Temporary. The short part of your life. The, 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 little, the little part of your life in light of eternity. And, and you have to do life in three areas. You live in the uh, natural world. You live in the spiritual world. But we also have this thought life, emotional life that we have to interact with all the time. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Now, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, it says, now, May the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. And then in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. What do you mean between soul and spirit? I'm going to pause there. There are some people that teach their spirit and their body there's no soul. And they take that from Genesis where God breathed life. But if in the New Covenant they're talking about there's this splitting or this discerning or this division between the two, it leads evidence with some other verses that there is a spirit, a soul, and a body. Triune nature of man, just like the triune nature of God. Okay, So if, if someone's teaching there's just two, don't argue with them, but don't believe them. They're not fully dividing the word, let alone as it says. Okay, and then, and then generally your spirit is going to want to serve God because you're a Christian, right? If you're, if you're lit, if you're born again, your spirit wants to do what's right. It wants to serve God. Your flesh always wants to serve itself, yeah. its own desires, its own lusts, right? And that, that's why there's a war going on. That's why in your mind, in your brain, there's a war going on between your spirit that wants to love God and do what's right and your flesh that wants to serve itself. And really, your mind or your soul realm is what determines which one it's going to partner with and which way you go. Because when your soul partners with the word of God and truth and your spirit, you do what is right. When your soul partners with your flesh, you end up doing wrong things. It's really that simple. You have to determine which one you want to align with, your spirit or your flesh. If your soul teams up with your spirit, you do what's right. If your soul teams up with your flesh, you don't do what's right. And then you wonder why. Whoa, what happened? But here's a question. What are you feeding yourself? What are you feeding your soul? Because generally... You know, you take two people, you feed one, you starve the other. Who do you think is going to win after 40 or 50 days if they have to scrap? Think about that. If you're feeding your mind garbage, in computers we say garbage goes in and garbage comes out. If you're feeding your mind truth from God's word, so are you feeding your spirit or are you feeding your flesh? Your actions, your attitudes, your thought processes, the thoughts that you allow to stay in your mind, which I'm going to get to, is what's going to determine where you end up. 
Now watch Romans 8, verses 5 to 8. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So if your sinful nature or your flesh is dominating you, I would examine your thoughts. Because my gut read is your thoughts are thinking about the wrong things. They're thinking about sinful things. Okay, But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit controls your life and there's this contrast between people who allow their thoughts to go to the flesh and people who allow their thoughts to go to the Spirit. Are we doing okay? So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Okay, how many choose death? Life and peace? So who has to control your mind? But practically on a day-to-day basis, is that your reality? Only you can answer that. I can't. I can look at the fruit being produced and kind of make a good, gives me a good indication. (laughs) The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Do you know what this is telling me? It's telling me that if you don't get your thought life right, you're not going to please God with your actions and your attitudes and your, and your approach to him. So our thought life, this war going on inside of our mind right now, it's really important that we get this and we get this good. And it's really important that we learn how to fight and how to wrestle with our thoughts. Okay, I want to move on to 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We're destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish every act of disobedience when your own obedience as a church is complete. So when we're looking at this, there's this one word in the Greek. It's a uyaroma. It's a heavily fortified containment. That's that word fortresses. It's it's. It's also, it has, it's, it's translated uh, strongholds. And, and it's used figuratively here um, of the false arguments which people seek shelter or a safe place to escape reality. So when it's talking about our weapons are div- powerful, for, divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, it's, it's talking about these places that we go in our mind to escape truth from God's word or to escape reality. It's, it's, a, it's something that we rely on, a defense mechanism. Have any, has anyone ever realize that you have a defense mechanism? You know, you're talking to someone about something and all of a sudden your back gets up and you get a little bit defensive. None of you ever get defensive though, right? You know, the preacher's talking about your stuff and all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to listen to you no more. Talk to the hand, the face ain't listening, preacher. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? So we have these defense mechanisms that we use to to defend. and, And I'll come back to it later, but maybe you got hurt and your soul puts up a wall to defend you so you don't get hurt again. But that wall that you put up 
It keeps out pain, but it also keeps out some freedom. Okay? And that's, that's the problem, because when your soul puts up a wall, it's not a defense that the Lord talks about. Right? And, and, and it, it, it protects, but it also harms. Anything on which one relies of arguments and reasonings by which the disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. Those are like what the dictionaries say about this word. You can have thoughts and ideas in your mind that you use as a place to escape reality. The reality of God's truth. When you identify a lie, it is your responsibility, Christian. It's then on you to renounce it, repent of it, or turn from it. And, and what happens is there's these, there's these, I call them these logical places of safety that we try to go to to protect ourselves. But, but God doesn't tell us to go there. God tells us to go to him and do his word. You know, I was, I was listening to the worship team today, and they were, they were worshiping Jesus. And they were preparing the way of the Lord. They were preparing the atmosphere so that when we come up here to minister, that it's easy. Amen. It's easy when the atmosphere is prepared. But what were, they, what were they singing about when they were praying? And the funny thing is, we didn't even have really a, a conversation about the message. The only thing they knew was, war in your mind. God's going to turn it around. Then they went into surrounded with fighting my battles. They had no way to know that I had a whole section on my notes to encourage the church to pray more than they've ever prayed before. But when they're praying and listening, the Holy Spirit said, yes, Amen. we need to do this. And then there's a, a continuity in what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. They're leading you in worship, talking about, hey, we need to pray. We need to surround ourselves with the presence of God. Why? Because if you're not surrounded with the presence of God, what are you surrounding yourself with? Then they went on to, you know, champion. Jesus, you are a champion. I, I wrote something down during worship because it just, it just came to me. We're talking about thoughts. I want you to understand something. You will never slay a giant until you see yourself as a giant slayer. You can't. Because as long as the giant looks bigger than you, you'll never slay it. Now, I understand that we partner with God and God in us accomplishes much. But we have to identify with him in that. You know, David identified as a son of the most high God. And then he went and prepared to slay the giant. There was some natural things that people told him he needed to do, and that wasn't working for him. Because that armor of Saul's was too heavy for David. Right? So what did he do? He went with what he knew his sling, and he gathered some stones. There was some preparation that David had done in his life to slay the giant. He didn't just wake up and say, I think I'll go kill a giant. He'd been preparing for years. God had been working in his life to get him to the place where he could knock the giant down. And he even started with little things like a lion and a bear. I mean, how many of you have killed a lion and a bear with a sling? In your bare hands. We're wimps today compared to those guys. 
Some of David's mighty men, I mean, one of them, what did he stand in a field with like a stick? <laughs> and how many, how many enemy did he kill? Like 10,000? Like what? It said that the stick was stuck to his hand when he was done killing. <laughs> like, think about that. You want to slay giants? You need to start seeing yourself as God sees you. You need to start thinking thoughts that God has placed in you, thoughts of victory and thoughts of overcoming. I mean, some of you can't resist a piece of chocolate cake. (laughs) Or some of you can't resist looking at porn. Some of you can't help but gossip, but you want to slay giants? Those are little things. Self-control. We'll come back to self-control too. I've got that in my notes. But see, you want to be a giant slayer, you got to see yourself as a giant slayer. God, you've made me to slay giants. I'm an overcomer in Christ. Right? And the, and the thing is, if you want to slay giants just so you can be great, you're lacking the humility necessary to get you there. Amen. That's not the character of Christ. In Christ... We want to kill the giants, and we don't even care if anybody knows we killed the giant because we just want to kill the giant. But we like glory. God gets the glory. How about fear of faith? Galatians 2.20. Now, now pay close attention because I might modify this. I have been crucified with Christ. This is amplified. That is, in him, I have shared in his crucifixion It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by fear, by adhering to, relying on, and completely not trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Did you catch the twist? What does it say? It didn't say, I live by fear. What does it say? Faith. Do you know you cannot live in fear and faith at the same time? If both are present, you're living in fear. Isn't that what it is? If Christ lives in me, I live by faith. Period. That means I completely trust in and rely on the Son of God who died for me. So how about Romans 117? Let's do this again. Let's see if you guys can catch this. For those of you that missed it the first time, here's your chance at redemption. Think good thoughts. You can do this. The good news tells us how God has made us right in his sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by fear. As the scriptures say, it's through fear that a righteous person has life. That's not what it says, is it? It says it's accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. In your thought life right now, are you thinking about fear or are you thinking about faith? I hope while you're here sitting with Christians in church after great worship and ministry of the word and the word of God's coming forth, I'm hoping that you're sitting in faith right now for the moment. But when you walk out the door in a few minutes, are you going to stay in faith or are you going to go back to fear? You have to determine where you stand. And if fear tries to get in, 
You are the one that has to take that thought and control it. No one else will control your thoughts for you ever. They can kind of throw things at you and try to tell you things, but they can't control your thoughts for you. You are the one that can wrestle with your thoughts. Okay, maybe you have a wrong concept of God. What did, what did they start singing at the end? Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I think about the angels in his presence. And for all of eternity, past, present, and future, what do they do? All they do is look at God and say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they gain revelation and insight into his character and his infinite wisdom and his kindness and his love and his mercy, as we should be doing. But are we coming to the place in our life where we just say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. See, if you have a concept of God that he is not good, that he is out to get you, that he's evil, there's a good God and an evil God, they're different. If you don't understand that God is holy and righteous, if you have wrong concepts there, it's going to mess with your thought life. And then when the scriptures say, if God is for me, who can be against me? You're not going to know. You can't stand in faith in that because you don't believe it. So you have some thoughts that you need to start addressing in your mind. And you wrestle with them and scrap with them and cast them down. Are we doing okay? Maybe you have a wrong idea of what sexual purity looks like. The scriptures talk about living a righteous and a holy life over and over again. It tells us to run away from these things. But some of you struggle with that. You struggle with the addiction to the sexual impurity. We looked at addictions years ago. I used to teach in Connect. Your brain essentially releases the same hormones, dopamine and a few others, serotonin, whatever they are, when you're looking at porn as it does when you take drugs. And it becomes, people get addicted to that high. The problem is it leads them into bondage. Just like any addiction is going to lead you into bondage. It's only in Christ that you find freedom. See, if you have a wrong idea in your mind about what it's, well, you don't understand. I may not, but he does. And you know what? He designed you and created you with purpose. Oh, wait, you don't believe that you were created with purpose? There's another idea and concept that we need to change. Amen. He's got a good plan for your life. Oh, there's another idea that needs to be adjusted. You see, if you believe lies about yourself, if you believe lies about God, you're never going to become who God wants you to be, and you're never going to operate in what he wants you to operate in. You have to come to the place where you confront the lie with truth. And you confront the lie with truth from the word of God. So we're working through this, what was I just working on? A wrong belief about sexual purity. Um, if you believe, well, you don't understand, you know what? I may not understand. Maybe your life isn't perfect. Maybe your marriage isn't everything you want it to be. Maybe you're single and you want to be married. Maybe you used to be married and you're not anymore. We need to take our thoughts and align them with truth from God's word. It's a must. 
It's imperative. You have to do it. And, 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 you know, when I read through the scriptures, I don't see God giving us instructions and then saying, but if this is the case, then it's okay if you don't follow my command. Well, how many times do we try to justify our wrong behavior? That's another thought we need to just give up. Maybe you have a wrong belief about who you are and who you represent. If you don't get that identity piece down, who God made you to be, who God called you to be, how he created you with design and purpose, and how you have functioned and role in his kingdom, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. You won't be who God has called you to be because you can't see yourself as who he told you you were. But see, people lie to you all the time. Has anyone ever been told you're not good enough? For real. Has anyone ever been told you're not able? You'll never do that. You'll never be. You could never rise above. You're always going to be a failure. You're always going to be. Has anyone ever spoken those words over you? Has anyone ever told you you're worthless? Has anyone ever told you? Don't bother trying because it'll never happen for you. Am I talking to anyone today? Has anyone heard words like that? Okay, look. If you're four foot six and you want to be a basketball star, (laughs) you might be trying to follow your own will instead of God's plan for your life. But see... If you're listening to God and what he declares over you, how he has good things planned for you, and he desires desires you to prosper and be in good, he desires blessing on your life. He desires you to be someone that is loving and kind and full of the peace of the Holy Spirit and good-natured and able to interact with others and draw them into and love them to lead them to the place of salvation. He desires us to go into conflict and bring peace, right? You see, his nature, his way, is so opposite the flesh. But if you allow the wrong thoughts, ideas, and attitudes inside of your mind, you will never rise above them. They will limit you. They will cap you. And as I said earlier, you will never come to the place where you can slay your giant because you always live in fear of it. But you have to come to the place where I am a son of the Most High God. I am a daughter of the King. He has equipped me. He has forgiven me. He has enabled me. And you start wrestling with the lies and casting them down. Now, isn't that what we read in Corinthians at the beginning where every thought or every false place of refuge, it's okay for you, preacher, to stand up and preach, but I'm never going to do that. Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. It's not option A, Christian, go share your faith with others, and option B, don't. It's just a command. Go and make disciples. Go and do. Not go and do if you want to. 
Go and do if you think you're healthy enough. Go and do if you got all your stuff sorted out. How many got all their stuff sorted out? By that logic, nobody will go and do anything. I have to preach. Week in, week out, I gladly come up here and deliver the word of the Lord to the best of my ability. Do you think I've got all my stuff together? No, I don't. But I have to allow God to continue to work in my life while I challenge you to allow him to continue to work in yours. Do you see how this works? There's no perfect people. Not a single one. And what happens is your imperfection does not uh, disqualify you a lot of times. In fact, what your failure will do is help you to have more empathy for someone who's going through something that you already walked through. Right? Very simple. Has anyone ever lost someone close to you? And that's painful, isn't it? And there's grief and there's sorrow and there's sadness. How many know when you've lost someone close to you and then someone else loses someone close to them, you have this empathy and compassion and you kind of understand what they're walking through? Why? Because you've been there. And you're walking through it together. But someone that's never lost anyone close to them, they don't have the same empathy and compassion, do they? You know, someone's... Anyone ever struggle with addiction? You have to raise your hands. I guarantee there's people in the room that struggle with addiction. Some of you don't even know you're addicted to stuff, but you are. You think I'm kidding. But when you're struggling, it's nice to know that someone else has walked through it or is walking through it with you, and you guys kind of get together, and there's this camaraderie, isn't there, where we do it together, and we overcome together. And that's the body of Christ coming together. So we, we position ourselves with people moving in the same direction, Maybe you failed in the past and you don't think you're ever going to move beyond it. 100% of us have failed in the past. If you stay in that failure, you're right. You will never move beyond it. You're going to get stuck. And if you stop, it's a waste. It's a waste of the gifting, talent, calling, ability that God has placed inside of you. Because there's people that he has called you to lead to Christ. How about anxiety and worry versus trust? Let's do 1 Peter 5, 7. Keep all your worries and cares to yourself, for God doesn't care about you. Is that what it says? What does it say? Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. But which, which thought does your mind resonate with more? The first lie or the accurate rendering and rendition? You are 100% responsible for your thought life, and if it's not aligning with give your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you, you have some work to do. You have some wrestling to do. You have some casting down to do. You have to take that thought and literally wrestle with it until you throw it on the ground. And you know what? Sometimes you throw it down, it gets back up, and you have to wrestle with it again. And again. And again. Keep throwing it down. 
you know, some people just don't know when to quit. Some thoughts just don't know when to quit. Keep throwing it down. Eventually, it'll stay down. It'll stay down. Stay with it. Don't let up. Don't give up. First Peter 1, 13. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in a gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. What does it say about prepare your minds? For action. Now watch, that's New Living. I'm just going to quote it from a few others. Contemporary English, be alert and think straight. <laughs> Get your thinking straight. Easy read version, prepare your minds for service, right? But in all of the translations, it leads to there's this self-control issue. You need to prepare your mind to exercise self-control to keep your mind to wrestle with your thoughts. You have to do the work of preparation. You have to be the one that keeps your mind. You have to be the one that stands firm in what you believe and what the truth is from God's word. How are we doing? You're wrestling with some thoughts this morning? I wanted to hear a happy message, not be told that I'm responsible for my thoughts. <laughs> it's so much easier to blame someone else. Uh, it's his fault, their fault, his fault, their fault, her fault. The devil made me do it. My mother made me do it. My wife made me do it. My husband made me do it. My kids made me do it. The dog made me do it. Really, people, don't blame the dog. forgot something. Now, I'm having a thought argument in my mind because I forgot something that I wanted to do this morning, but I remembered, so I'm going to do it. David, happy birthday. Aww. I don't call out all the people that serve and work, but David's come into town from far away, and he's helped us have really good sound. And, and the truth is, our sound is excellent. We have an excellent sound overall. And, and yeah, there's always going to be little blips and bleeps and burps and stuff that happens with audio. It happens anywhere. But they do a great job. And I just wanted to say happy birthday. Have a great day. I like knowing that when I turn on my mic, it's live. <laughs> and you're going to hear me because my voice is not loud enough for you to hear me if I don't have this. When the power went out, we tried that, and I couldn't talk for three days. <laughs> okay. Stand up with me as we go into this next part. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious night of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who's the exact likeness of God. If you're standing with me today, my hope is that you've given your life to Christ. You've repented of your sin. You've turned your life around. You've allowed him to come in and change you from the inside out. But there could be someone here you've never really given your life to Christ. You've never repented of your sin. You've never let God start turning your life around to give you the authority and the ability to start changing your thoughts. The truth is, 
the word of God, the Bible, doesn't make sense to people that don't know Christ. It's when you know Christ that his spirit comes inside and it reveals to you truth from his word. So if you've never given your life to Christ, I'd like you to come talk to me right after the service. I want to pray with you. I want to, I want to talk to you about repentance and turning away from your sinful life and how God has a great plan for you. And he wants to give you forgiveness as you release forgiveness. Are you up for communion or are you going to share? Just a quick thought. Yeah. Hopefully quick. Um, so I just want to um, just emphasize one thing that Pastor RJ was talking about with faith. And maybe hopefully um, frame it a little differently. How many of you have heard of, you know, the parallel with faith and foolishness? Okay, so for, like, sometimes, especially when we're trying to bring our thoughts into alignment with what God, God's Word says, see, we can't just not look at, you know, we live in the real world. We live here on earth right now. And see, it's faith isn't denying the reality that you're living in. What faith does is believe that the God that you serve is big enough to turn your reality around in a moment, in an instant. You know, we sang today about God turn it around. In an instant, in a moment, in a suddenly, God can take your reality and turn it around. So like in the Bible, when, you know, Abraham was the father of faith and he went to God and he said, Lord, this is my reality. Like my reality is... I don't have a son. I don't have any children. He wasn't denying the fact by, say, by saying to God, you know, I know God will take care of this. He was acknowledging to God, like, God, listen, this is where, it, like, I don't have any children. I'm going to leave everything that I have to my servant. I don't have anyone. And he acknowledged that before God, and God said, I can turn it around. God said, by this time, this is what's going to happen. So it's, us coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, this is where it's at. This is what's going on in my life right now. This is my reality. But God, the word that you say, the word that you gave me, the word that we have, I'm going to look to that and go, but God, you can turn it around. And acknowledging the place that you're in with the Lord and not just saying, not just denying it and, and what you're going through and the pain that you're walking through because God is with you in it all. Every step of the way, he's with you in it all. So it's not the faith that we look to as believers. And when we're trying to bring those thoughts into captivity, it's going to God and saying, God, this is, this is what my reality is. I'm wrestling with this right now. But you are able. You are able to turn my reality in a moment and in an instant. See, God, you can't do what God can only do, but God won't do what you can do. Does that make sense? So you have to go to him and put it out, put that out there and go to him and be honest and be real and speak the word and continually do it like Pastor RJ said, pick it up again and again and again and again. Even when, you know, there's sometimes when our reality just seems to last a long time a long time and seasons of discouragement come and dry times come, but we have to keep going 
back to the word and back to speaking that those things and believing God that God, this is where I'm at right now, but you can turn it around and I'm going to stay here and I'm going to believe you because that's what you said. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your broken body. Lord, we thank you that you are God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord God, you are the one who sees each and every person in all of creation. You are the one. You are the God who sees. You're the God who knows. And Lord, I thank you that you see each and every one of us and the reality that we live in right now. But I thank you, Lord God, that we, as we even look to you in the reality of our circumstance, that out of our mouths, we speak that you're the God who can turn it around. You're the God who we put our hope, our trust, and our faith in because only you can do those things. With you, all things are possible. Lord God, we thank you as we receive the bread today that we believe whatever we're facing today whatever it looks like, that Lord, we come before you and we humble ourselves before you, God. We do acknowledge the place that we are in at the moment, this, this just a moment, Lord God, but you are the one who can turn it around. So we receive it, Lord God, believing in faith that in your perfect timing, in your perfect plan, you turn all things around for good because we love you and we are called according to your purposes in Christ Jesus. Father, as we have the cup, the blood of the new covenant in our hands, I thank you that in our hearts we can release those things, release people, release situations, cast our cares on you. And as we release forgiveness and cast our cares on you today, that there's an enablement and an empowerment that we can align our thoughts with truth from your word. What do you say about us? Who are we in this world? And as we continue to lift up the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're drawing men and women to you. We can go empowered and enabled and equipped to share love, to give hope, and to execute peace in the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name. God, through every season, you give me a reason to see beyond my mind.
Turn, turn, turn.